I would just say to people, you know, you're powerful, you know, you're sovereign, you came here with inalienable rights and no one stands above you. No human being, no government, no agency, nothing stands above you. Everything in this world is given its power by you, the human being, the soul. You can claim that power back at any given moment. So go into your heart, spend some time in stillness, you know, move your body, exercise your body, meditate your body, give your body clean foods and, and, and start to generate and access this power that lies in, inside of you. It's in all of us. It's an infinite supply. It's not limited. Just go into your heart, access this magic and realize that, you know, that you're powerful, you're divine, you're sovereign. You're just, you're a superhuman, you know? You got to accentuate the positive. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. As always, amazing to be with you all again tonight, today, whenever you're listening to it. Tonight for me at the, at the moment, early morning in the UK for the fabulous Jerry Sargent. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Thank you for having me, sister. Thank you for bringing me up. <laughs> I just want to say to people, if you ever have the blessing of getting an email from Jerry, he starts off with, you're amazing. <laughs> That's the first thing he says in the email. And before you read anything, you're feeling amazing. <laughs> I loved it. Let me tell people that don't know about Jerry a little bit of your story. Incredible, incredible story. We're going to go into it. Jerry Sargent had no plans to be a healer in his younger years, but after being a drug addict, which led to a life of crime and mixing with some of the world's worst and dangerous criminals. He knows about setting yourself free from trauma. Jerry understands transformation at the deepest level. After a trip to Alpha Centauri, time spent with the angels in the mystery schools and in higher realms, and a living a life fit for a Hollywood movie, Jerry's lives where love and compassion are at the heart of his world. He is the founder of Star Magic Healing, a powerful consciousness technology for transformation, healing and manifestation. He's also a motivational speaker and healer renowned for creating rapid shifts within people, transforming their lives on a mental, physical and emotional and spiritual planes. Jerry has trained thousands of souls in more than 35 countries and is on a mission to assist every human he encounters to realize their full potential and become a superhuman by training you in star magic. You can learn more about star magic healing at starmagichealing.com. So let's hear about where this began. You obviously have explored all the all that life has to offer, both positive and negative, and you're exploring and diving through density in your early years, yeah? Absolutely. It's been an interesting ride, you know. Um, 
I mean, as you said, like, you know, I mean, loads of loads of kids turn to, to drugs and stuff, you know, so it's kind of nothing new. But I mean, you know, I was heavily into drugs, alcohol and, you know, like in England, the rave scene was really rife, like back in, you know, early 90s, all the way through the 90s, like ecstasy and whistles and just parties and fields and all that stuff. So, you know, I kind of like fell into all of that. Um, I, I played a lot of sports as a kid, but when I was about 14, I got banned from playing rugby and it was like a massive part of my life. I played it since I was six and like getting banned from that sport. Like I was like, what am I going to do? You know, I did play other sports and stuff, but I'd given them all up to play rugby. I had to kind of focus on one. And um, yeah, I just, that's when I kind of really got into the drink and the drugs and my life spiraled out of control. And um, you know, it didn't really stop like for quite a while. Like, I mean, you know, I, I ended up uh, going to Tenerife in the Canary Islands um, in my late teens. And uh, the plan was to kind of like get away from England and, you know, find um, like a better crowd to hang around with and, you know, just get away from the stuff that was going on in England. But I ended up jumping out of the frying pan and into the fire and, um, you know, there was more drugs and criminals and I don't know I was exposed to a whole different world and um yeah it kind of sucked me up and to be honest with you at the time I loved it because I was young and all I wanted to do was party and make money and all these things so I was like you know I've, I've fallen on my feet this is brilliant you know um but you know I did work for some 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 pretty crazy people and you know if you did things wrong um they'd come and beat the shit out of you you know, so, I, you know, they, they beat you up, make you mop your own blood up and then and then go back and do whatever it was you had to do. So it was it was a, a different way of kind of uh, of living. And it taught me like how not to treat people, you know, and um, at the same time, it was uh, it kind of conditioned me as well to be an angry human being. because Everyone around me was angry, you know, and I was an angry kid anyway. I mean. I was kind of fostered, adopted as a kid. I was raped as a baby. So I, I kind of grew up really angry, you know, anger, um, rejection, all that stuff was inside of me. So getting involved with this mob, I mean, it kind of just exacerbated all of that stuff. And I became even more angry and, and, and just like a loose cannon, really, you know. And um, yeah, I was in that world for, for several years and ended up moving back to England uh, with my uh, wife and and my daughter, I actually had to smuggle them back into England because my wife was Romanian. She didn't have a passport. She left Romania illegally. So we ended up having our daughter, Alaire, in Tenerife and I couldn't get either of them a passport. So smuggled them back into England and then got married. And then we went back to Romania and um, we went to Romania my first time. She, she went back to Romania to get a passport and all this sort of stuff. And um, we ended up in a car accident. Uh, we're traveling from a place called Piatra Nampt, where my ex-wife, um, her parents lived and her family. And we're driving back down to Bucharest Airport. And uh, I was asleep in the passenger seat of a taxi. And I just woke up and there was a loud crash and there's glass, there's wind and the cars swam from side to side. And I remember thinking to myself, man, we're in a bad accident. We're going to hit the oncoming traffic or the car's going to the flip this is crazy this is what was going through my head and uh, then all of a sudden we came to a grinding halt on the road and 
I looked at the taxi driver. You know, he looked petrified. I looked in front of me. There's no cars on the road. There's no nothing. There's a hole in the windscreen. I look in the back and, and our daughter, Alaire, she's under the driver's seat. Laura's got Josh in her arms, our son. They're both, their mouths are full of glass and there's blood running down my face. And it wasn't my blood. I wasn't bleeding, but they, my, my face was a bit sore. And I thought, this is really weird, you know? Like, where did the hole come from? Like, what, what, what happened? So I got out of the car. I looked about 30 meters back up the road and I saw two ladies lying on the side of the road. I looked about maybe another 100 or so meters up the road and there was what looked like a dead body. And what had happened, three ladies were crossing the road in the morning. First one came through the windscreen, smacked me in the face whilst I was asleep. She got flipped up over the car and died. Second one had her ankles cut off and the third one was physically okay. And I walked up to the, the two ladies that, that were on the side of the road and a man had come out from a nearby factory, he was on the phone and there's nothing I could do. I mean, she's there, she's got no ankles, the other one's crying her eyes out. And I, for some reason I was fixated on this dead body. Uh, well, what I thought was a dead body. I didn't know it was until I got there, but I walked up the road, I got closer and closer, realized it was a dead body. And I got within about 10 meters and I saw this like stuff, this energy just kind of like hovering in the empty space. And I didn't even know what a soul was at the time, you know. Uh, I'd never seen anything like this. I was kind of, you know, very 3D. So I'm, I'm shaking my head like, you know, come on, get out of my head, get out of my head. But it wouldn't go. And uh, I'm just staring at it. And I got closer and closer all this time. I'm walking this 10 meters to the body, which seemed like an eternity. And this thing kind of just, it fizzled off into the ether and disappeared. And then I looked down at the lady's body and her legs were wrapped up over her head. She was completely smashed. And um, it looked like someone had taken an old car to the scrap heap. Like, you know, this thing that was inside the body, which I saw, not with my mind's eye, but with, with my eyes, it was just there. It, whatever it was, no longer had any use for the body, you know? And it was like, okay, I'm off. And I could see this kind of like connection and disconnection and that there's this something, this some, something drives this body, you know, and it had gone. And I looked down at the body and I looked up to the heavens and I just said, thank you. And I just felt like I wanted a whiskey and a cigarette. For some, I, I don't even smoke, you know, I don't drink whiskey, but for some reason I was like, I need a whiskey and a cigarette. It felt like a really momentous occasion. As crazy as that sounds, it didn't feel sad or anything because I saw this body for what it really was. It was just a vehicle, you know, and if you crash your car, you know, you might be a bit upset for, for, for a little while, but then boom, you're, you know, you, it's gone, isn't it? It's just, it's just an object. And, and, and all of this stuff was going on in my head and kind of just downloaded in a split second. And it was just this vehicle that this soul no longer had any use for. And, and so there was no sadness. I just felt happy. And like, I was just very grateful to have this experience. And then we ended up having to go to the police station and all this sort of stuff. We missed our flight, flew back to England afterwards. And then a couple of months later, uh, my ex-wife, Laura, she was on the bed, she had a headache. And, uh, you know, it was a real bad migraine. And for some reason, I thought to myself, I can take this out of your head. I don't know why I thought that, but I did. And I just walked over. She's lying on the bed. And I saw it. It was green. And I kind of reached over, like reached in and pulled it out. And I was like, you know, just pulled it out of her head. And it just felt really natural. And she got up off the bed like she didn't have a headache. And I was like, that's a bit weird. But I kind of just carried on doing what I was doing. Around this sort of time, I ended up meeting my first uh, spiritual teacher. 
and she worked for Scotland, Scotland Yard in the psychic division. So she taught me how to remote view, how to bring my light out of my body and travel, all this sort of stuff. And, and how I ended up bumping into her was um, I was sat watching TV one night. Um, this, that's how long it will go. And this is like 2005. I mean, I've not had a TV since I think 2008. Um, and if anyone's got a TV, smash it, throw it, throw it away. It's, it's, it's the best thing you can do with it. And um, so I'm watching TV one night and uh, Laura comes downstairs and she looks petrified. And I looked up and I said, what's the matter? She said, you know, every time I close my eyes, I, I kind of see all these dark images and I hear all these dark voices. And it feels like something's trying to take me away. And she said, for the last few days, I've been pushing the pushchair down the road with a layer in. And it feels like someone is trying to make me push the pushchair into the road. And I thought, this sounds a bit weird, man. You know, like, but I looked at her and I said, well, what do you want to do about it? You know? And she said, I, I need to phone my friend who's a priest. So this priest comes around the house. She's putting crosses up. She's dousing the house and all this stuff. And I'm sat there thinking, man, this is like something out of the poltergeist or something. This is crazy. So anyway, she calms Laura down. Laura goes to bed. And I just, you know, I go to bed a bit later. And then the next day I go and see my mate. And I said, listen, this weird thing happened in our house last night. I said, Laura was really scared, blah, blah, blah. I told her the story. He said, you got to phone this lady. you got to speak to this lady. So he gave me her name and her telephone number. And I phoned her up and she didn't answer. She phoned me back a little bit later. And she said, um, you know, what's going on? I said, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. I told her the story. She said, where do you live? And I said, 316 Richmond Road. And that's the only bit of the address I gave her. She said, hold on a minute. And the phone went quiet. And then she said, have you been knocking some walls down in the house? I said, well, actually, we've just moved into this house and it's rented the accommodation, but the previous owner is clearly built on extension. She said, yeah, you've got an angry old man in your house. I'm thinking, what is going on? This is weird. So I said, okay, let's say there's an angry old man in the house, okay what are we going to do about it? She said, oh, I'll get rid of him for you. I said, brilliant. When are you coming down to London? She lived like the other side of the country. She said, oh, I don't need to do that. I can do it from here. So I'm thinking, what is going on, man? Like we've got this angry old man in the house. You're going to get rid of him from there. I said, okay. So we parted company on the telephone. I went home, I spoke to Laura and I said, listen, I had this conversation with this lady about what happened last night. I said, I know I didn't tell you, but, you know, chain of events led me to her. And this old, this lady reckons there's an angry old man in the house. And Laura turned around and said, yeah, I know I've seen him. So I thought, right, you're telling me there's an angry old man in the house. This lady who I've never met before, who's never been to our house, is telling me there's an angry old man in the house. There must be some kind of truth to it. So I phoned her back up and I said, listen, I don't know what you do, but I need to come and see you. Because I'm like, I'm one of those people that when I get like a beam up on it, right, I, I discover something. I need to know everything about it. So I booked an appointment, went up and had this kind of like past life regression uh, treatment, went into a past life and I was blown away by it. So I ended up going up there like two or three times a week for a few years, went into hundreds of past lives and she taught me so much stuff. And, um, you know, all of this happened around the same sort of time as the car crash. So, you know, my whole life kind of, it kind of like just took a jump start. you know. The, the other thing that was happening around this time is I, I was doing a lot of kind of like white collar crime. So I was stealing a lot of money from banks, um, like cleverly, 
not going in with a gun or anything like that, but by electronically. And we we had so much money. And um, what I started doing is is giving it to, to charities anonymously. And we built water pipelines in Africa and schools and different things. And, and the letters were coming back from these people saying, you know, thank you so much. This is what we've done with the money. And this started to change me. When I started to realize what it was like to actually give to someone instead of just be, being like an ego maniac that wanted Rolex watches and fast cars and houses and to eat in designer restaurants and all this sort of stuff. They, they, all of these things like sort of like compounded together, you know, meeting this lady, having the car crash, you know, helping these people. out. It started to change me on a really deep level. And then a little while later, we moved to New Zealand. And... Um, a friend of mine had a car crash and she, you know, her partner phoned up and said, you know, Jerry, can you help? And I was like, well, how am I going to help? I'm in New Zealand, you know, she's in, 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 in Bristol in French hospital. And uh, this is what my ego was saying to me. And, but my intuition was saying, just go and lie on the bed. Now her partner had said that the doctors had told her that she might not ever walk again. You know, that she, 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 her car went into a Range Rover and, um, the gear stick had gone through her leg, all her ribs were smashed up, her hips, like she was in a bad way. And um, they said, you know, you might not ever walk in, you're going to be in hospital for at least a year. So I laid down on the bed anyway, and I got some crystals and I put them on my body. And uh, suddenly I was inside a hospital room and all this light started coming out of my hands. And I was, I, I just started putting her body back together. I just knew what to do. And I did this every day for a couple of weeks. And she walked out of hospital with a Zimmer frame in 12 weeks. And I was thinking to myself, did I do something? Didn't I do something? Is this my crazy imagination? Um, but then she came out of hospital and she phoned me up and she said, you know, Jerry, I woke up one night and looked at the side of my bed and said, what are you doing here? She saw me. And I was like, what? You saw me? And she told me like she saw me exactly where I'd imagined myself. So I realized that what is going on in your head is, is actually taking place in, in the quantum field somewhere. And then around this sort of time, I met an old gentleman called Michael, who's a dear friend, and he had a pyramid in his garden. He taught me how to meditate. I'd never meditated up until this point in my life. Didn't even know what it was. So I used to go around his house every day, and he taught me how to meditate with my eyes open. I used to sit in this pyramid and I just connect. I had some amazing experiences. Uh, but two of them I'll tell you about because they were, they kind of sort of, again, they were instrumental on my journey. The first one, I was sat there one day and my feet turned to balls of fire. There was like real flames coming off my feet. And I looked down and I'm like, this is crazy. Like there's actual burning fire. And then I looked up and Jesus was there and he looked into my eyes and he said, you know, you can walk anywhere you want to go in this world, Jerry, just don't be frightened. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like just, just staring at him. And then he turned and, and these stairs appeared in the garden and he walked up these stairs and he went through a door and I followed him up the stairs, went through a door and we we're in the last supper. And there's like food on this table and Jesus is giving his last supper sermon. And I was Matthew and I'm sat there kind of again, just thinking, you know, this is pretty mad. And uh, anyway, I look out the window and there's a massive spaceship, this big spaceship. I'd never seen a spaceship, but I, I knew this was a big one. And um, they were kind of showing me the extraterrestrials have been around for a long time. So I stayed in this experience for a bit. And then I, I, I came back, walked back down through the stairs, back into the pyramid, back into my meditation. And then that was kind of that experience. And then a couple of weeks later, 
I'm sat there meditating again, my eyes are open. And I look to my right hand side and this little space pod lands in the garden. It's the only way I can describe it. And there's a blue being inside of it. So I bring my lights out of my body and I go over to the spacecraft, I get inside. And uh, this blue being takes me through a tunnel of light for about four or five seconds. We come out the other side and we're above water and there's a beach. I get out of this craft, I walk up the beach and uh, there's about 200 of these blue beings. And I just started to know things like, it was just, I, I don't know how I knew, but and it, there was no thought process. There was like just this information that was flowing out of me. And I knew we were on Alpha Centauri. I'd never even heard of Alpha Centauri. And these beings uh, were Lyran beings. I'd never heard of Lyra or Lyran beings. And they're about maybe six and a half, seven feet tall. Um, they were blue. They had no clothes on. Uh, they were androgynous. They all looked very fit and healthy, like athletes. Like, and uh, they gave me a hug, like loads of them. And, and I felt so much love. And the love that I felt was, I don't know how to describe it. It was just beyond human words. And I was like, wow. I, it was, you know, I mean, there wasn't even a wow, really. It was beyond wow. I just felt home, like this deep connection that was just so beautiful. And they hugged me for a little while. And I just started to get information on like how they had their food and how long they were pregnant for. And just all these just random things were coming into my head. <clears throat> and what was interesting, like they had these like glasses and they just disappeared and reappeared. They, they, they were like sunglasses, but they, they, they weren't solid. And they, they just kind of like appeared over their eyes when they needed them with their thoughts. And so anyway, like, we, we finished this kind of like hugging session and they moved out of the way and created like a passageway. And one of them led me up the back of the beach and through some trees, a little bit like jungle. And they took me to like a building that was like a pyramid, but it was made of lights. And we went into this, this, this kind of light structure. And there was this, the, only, the way I would describe it is like an elder, like a really ancient Lyran. And if you like, if you went to a Native American Indian site and you met a Native American elder, it was like meeting one of those, but in it was blue <laughs> and it was Lyran. And um, yeah, and, and it asked me to kneel down on the floor. So I knelt down and then suddenly this orange light comes and starts pouring these codes into my crown chakra. And the codes were like geometrical, but they weren't solid. They were fluid and they were moving and they were constantly moving and changing as they were downloading into me. And this went on for a little while. And then the download kind of stopped and there was two beings. They picked me up either side and then they just frog marched me all the way back to the space pod, stuck me inside. And then we went back through the tunnel back into the garden, I got out of the space pod, went back to the pyramid and, and back into my body. And then nothing else happened. Like for maybe, I don't know, a couple of years, it just went really quiet. And I, I was waiting for the next thing thinking, come on, man. You know, I was still meditating and all this sort of stuff, but nothing was really happening. Um, I'll tell you one thing that did happen, which I never really talked to people about. Michael introduced me to St. Germain and we used to sit there and talk to him every day. And in where I lived in New Zealand was on the North Island on the East Coast, a place called Napier. And in the next, the neighboring town, Hastings, there was a place called Tomata Peak, a, a mountain. And we used to go up there and they had two peaks, male and female. 
and we used to sit in the middle and have some incredible kind of like conversations there with uh with saint germain and some other beings and stuff that that sort of came in but it was not really kind of a massive impact on me not like you know the spacecraft incident and the jesus incident and all i wanted to do was i wanted to go to the next thing what's what's next you know and then one day i woke up and i and i said i, I thought to myself you know we got to go back to england you know something was driving me to go back to england and we just moved to new zealand a couple of years before you know we had we set up this health and fitness center we were helping lots of people i was doing tv shows on um on, on the good morning channel for for like people at home and we were everything was flying and uh but i knew we had to go back to england i spoke to my missus and the kids they're like dad you're nuts we've just set this whole business up everything's going really well i said i don't know why we gotta go back and they're like no 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 we're not doing it so anyway i just pestered them for, for for a few weeks and in the end they said right okay let's do it so we put a manager in charge at the gym we packed up our house and we jumped on the plane and went back to england when we got back to England, that's when things really started to kind of go into overdrive. I was out running one morning and I saw some fairies. And I'm, I stop in the street and I'm looking at these fairies thinking, my gosh, I can really see fairies. There was loads of them around the tree. And um, then this angel came down. He said, my name's Archangel Gabriel. You need to write a book. So I'm like, like it's like when I met Jesus. I was kind of like a little kid, like a two-year-old, like looking up at his teacher. Like, okay. Like, you know, okay. I said, well, what's the book? called he said it's called into the light i said okay so i ran home opened up my laptop and i wrote this book in like four weeks and i published it and i realized that it wasn't really so much about writing the book it was what was happening to me whilst i was writing the book i, I was connecting on this deeper level and this stuff was flowing through me and as soon as i finished i started seeing this geometry in the empty space everywhere and um, it was the same geometry that I saw in the orange light when I went to Alpha Centauri. So I was saying to my guides and that, you know, because I've met some guides by this time. And I was saying, what am I supposed to do? Like, what am I supposed to do with this information? They said, you need to meditate more. You know, you're not meditating enough. So I started getting up really early every morning with um, my children. And um, we started meditating and uh, more so with my son, Josh. And we ended up going to these mystery schools in our meditation underneath the pyramids in Egypt. And we were in these classrooms and I, I was like looking left and looking right. And it was, it was like those old wooden desks you get at school. There was loads of human beings in there from all over the planet. And we're all sat there in this classroom and uh, Thoth is there at the front and he's got these scrolls. And on the scrolls are these symbols and the symbols are the same things that I was seeing in the empty space and the same codes that were downloaded in the orange light. And he was showing us how to use them to heal people. And we went every day for two hours for nine months in these lessons. And afterwards, we'd go and explore the pyramids and we found spacecrafts and healing chambers and all these different things. Anyway, after the nine months, people were coming into my life that needed healing. And I was like, let me just see if this stuff works, you know, and I was trying it and it was working. And I kept trying it and it kept working. I was like, fuck, man, maybe I could actually start a business and charge people for this shit, <laughs> you know, because I, I mean, I, I did. To be honest with you, I didn't even know that energy healing was a thing and like people had businesses out of it. And um, around this sort of time. 
my, my ex-missus, Laura, she was in a, I don't know where she was. It might have been a library or a bookstore or somewhere. But anyway, this book fell, fell off the shelf. And she read the book and it was called Joe the Diviner. And it was about this Irish healer. And she said, I think you should read this book anyway. So I read the book and I was like, there's this guy in Ireland and he's healing people out of his shed at the end of the garden. He started a business. out. He's no different from me. I thought if he can do it, so can I. So and also I've got Irish roots as well. So it kind of resonated with me, like my my great grand uh, parents are Irish you know, on my, on my real mum's side. Uh, I found my real mum when I was 26. So I found out about my kind of history and stuff. But um, so reading this book on this Irish guy that, 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 that he was just a normal dude, you know, like, and he, he discovered these healing abilities and he was, make, he was making money in his garden shed. So I thought, right, well, how, how, can, how can I do this? So what I did is I made up some little kind of like business cards and, uh, and flyers. And I'd written this book called Into the Light. So I went to... Um, a local mind body spirit festival and um i had like a little stand i gave a little talk there and i had these kind of sheets and i was saying to people listen okay i do energy healing and i'm going to give away three healing sessions at the end of the weekend you know wh whoever the lucky people are so put your name down and we'll draw them out anyway about 70 people wrote their names down and i i basically phoned them all up and said you'd won because I wanted to, to practice. So I, I had like 70 people to practice on. So I was loving it. I was like, every day I was, I was, I was doing healings and practicing and people were getting good results. They introduced me to some friends and it kind of started to pick up. And I, I, I phoned these people up and I said, listen, you know, you've got some amazing results. You know, would you do like a video testimonial for me? So they said, yeah. So I started collecting these video testimonials and then just created a website and, and, and star magic was born. And when I was in these <clears throat> mystery schools, they showed us different symbols. And one of them meant healing magic. And because I'd been to the stars, you know, that's where the star part came from. So we called it star magic. So we started star magic. Then I was told to write a book on star magic by the same blue liar. And his name's Derek White. And he, he visits me all the time now. He told me to write a book called Star Magic Heal the Universe, which has since been republished as Healing with Light Frequencies, the transformative power of star magic. But that's basically all about star magic. So I wrote it and then I was meditating one day up on a hill and he came to see me again. And the whole town that I was looking at, it disappeared. And all of these orange lights appeared around the Christ consciousness grid of the planet. And he said, you, you see those orange lights, they're healing centers. You've got to build them. I was like, well, if I build them, who, who's going to run them? He said, you need to start training people. I said, okay. So I ran home again and just opened up my laptop and designed this training program. And I put it up online for the following February. And people just came from all over the world. Some people came from Australia, from America, from Dubai, Egypt, all over Europe. England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. And I, I remember the first day, you know, just, just turning up and, and I was stood there and I said to everyone, I don't know what the fuck you're all doing here. You know, I said, why are you all here? Like, you've turned up because, you know, for this, this training thing, you know, and I just couldn't believe it, you know, and, and, and I knew that, you know, this is the right thing that I'm supposed to be doing, but I'd never trained anyone in, 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 in anything really, um, and so to, 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 to come and train people in energy healing, you know, something that was kind of pretty new to me. I've been doing it for maybe two years, even though I'd had the healing experiences many, many years before. Only Star Magic had only been like two years, you know, if that, maybe 18 months.
anyway the 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 training session the 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 training it was like the wild wild west you know it was a real good laugh but it was pretty crazy but you know from that point on we just developed the training and redeveloped it and and over the last i don't know two years two and a half years we've trained you know thousands of people in more than 40 countries we've taken them through level one level two level three training and um We've bought land. We're in the process at the moment of actually designing the first healing center. We're going to break ground around March 2023. It'll be finished the end of at the end of 2023. We're going to have our first healing center uh, in Transylvania. We've bought land in Madeira. Um, you know, we've got investors that are talking to us, and everything that this this blue being Derequai has told me to do, it's all happening. You know, and I've not really had to. To, to, to kind of like try I mean I've had to put a lot of effort in but I've had not I, all I've had to do is really just kind of follow the instructions and so I just feel like I'm on my divine mission now and and all of my old stuff it's fallen by the wayside and you know it's been a it's been a, a kind of a gradual journey because my ego really fought tooth and nail to hold on to my past you know I you know I had to get rid of a lot of friends and you know people that I used to work with and hang around with and, and start a whole new life and yeah, I mean, now we travel the world and just train people, and it's just amazing. It's an incredible story. It's just amazing. And oh, I've got so many questions and so many things to say. How long ago did you start training people? Two and a half years ago? I think we did our first training session in like 2017 or 2018. Okay. Yeah, it might be three years ago, I reckon. Three years ago, we started training people, yeah. You know, uh, the light centres all around the world, I've had that vision, I had that vision years ago. Um, and I, I really believe that the, what you're downloading and what you're bringing, not just you, but many people across the world, uh, will become like essential learning for every being that's left on the planet in, in years to come it has to be essential understanding you know I, I just I've had this vision of universities full of energy healing techniques and channeling and psychic ability and yeah I mean it seems oh, like, like maybe woo woo to the mainstream mind but something I heard you say on Michael Jaco's show I was just saying to Jerry before that I have watched his show with Michael about three or four times I just loved it and he said pretty much everything you said on Michael's show well you know your story anyway you've just repeated it here so thank you for that uh I can't remember what I was going to say anyway what I want to ask you is why did you feel you had to go to New Zealand and then move back again do you think that getting away from your past and the energy of who you were and starting anew sort of opened you up to receive this no that, 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 yeah there's a story behind that like why we ended up in New Zealand so like when, when I first like discovered this kind of stuff like this kind of spiritual side of life you know me and my friends we were like we were so curious about it we were living in London and a friend of mine he found a talk that was taking place like that evening uh, down in a place called Basingstoke just outside of London 
and uh, it was on 2012 and, and and the changes and the Mayan calendar and all this sort of stuff. So we were like, right, let's go down there and 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 see what it's all about. So me and my two mates, we went down to um, this talk. We went into this little old dated bungalow. And uh, we walked in, there was this old guy, he was giving a talk and um, there was some other people. It was like in his living room, that's all. It wasn't massive or anything. I don't know how many of us were there. I can't remember, maybe six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, but anyway, he's given this talk and uh, I asked him a question and I was, it was like a bit, a bit contradictory, but I was just curious. And he stopped and he looked straight into my eyes and his face, it disappeared. And there was a, a green lizard looking at me and he turned into like a reptilian. And I, I, I'd never heard of this uh, reptilians and all this sort of stuff at the time. And, it, and he's looking straight into my eyes and all I can see is this green lizard's face. And I'm thinking, what the, you know, like on the outside, I'm trying to look cool as a cucumber. On the inside, I'm, think, I'm, I'm like, you know, my stomach's doing knots. I'm thinking, what is going on? So anyway, he holds my kind of stare and my gaze, which seemed like an eternity. It was probably a few seconds. And then his face kind of like what came back again and he, and, and, and he carried on talking. And I looked over at my mates and, and they, they saw something. It wasn't right, you know. And um, anyway, we stayed for the rest of the evening and we got in the car and we drove home. And, um, you know, that, that evening is when I started to meet some of my guides because um, I, I, what happened is I was having a shower and uh, I saw this picture of an old man in my head. And I'm shaking my head trying to get him out. And he said, he said, Jerry, my name's James. I'm here to help you because that man from earlier is trying to psychically attack you and your mates. So anyway, I started to meet my guides. But the reason I told you this story is because we started to explore 2012 and the end of the Mayan calendar. We went to this talk and we were told that, you know, in 2012, like the world's going to end or it's going to change. There's going to be these massive kind of tidal waves and shifts. So we found this com this like company called the Matrix Institute in America, and they were selling these maps, and it was a future map of the world. And so we bought it and we looked at it and we thought, right, England's gonna be underwater. Most of Europe's gonna be underwater. But the land mass in New Zealand was like quadruple the size. We were like, let's just go to New Zealand. So that's why we went, we got visas and we, we, just, we just went out to New Zealand. That was the plan. But there were many other reasons we went there. I mean, the universe was just guiding us. I mean, the, the plan, the map. I mean, it was all they, they're all just kind of instruments and tools yeah. to get me to go there because I had to go and meet Michael. I had to learn how to meditate. I had to have the ex experience with the Lyrans. Like all of that stuff happened out there. Yeah, you know, there, there were many other experiences. And, and so, yeah, I was just guided to go out there because of that. And I think once I'd done what I needed to do, it was time to come back again. Okay, because the the energy in New Zealand is so pristine. I just I've never been to a country which has much. Yeah, I just love New Zealand. And so you're guided to go back to the UK. Do you think it's because that's where you were needed? Like that's where the people were that needed you. That that's like that's where your tribe was. Your that you needed to well, teach. Well, I yeah, I think I needed to come here to to get the business off the ground. Mm. You know, like the, the, when I came back here, um, like I've got a lot of resources here in terms of people that I know and things like that. And, right. you know, to be honest with you, I, I don't think it was the right place to kick this business off in New Zealand. You know, like New Zealand's very spread out. 
there's not very many people mm. and to be honest with you like going back eight nine years when I was living there almost 10 years now people weren't really awake enough for this stuff people in New Zealand or people in yeah. the world very small pockets of it yeah, yeah. I mean, people in New Zealand definitely it says my internet's in, unstable again. The internet's doing crazy things. I've just remembered what I was going to say to you that I forgot. You said that you want to get these light centres up and running and then COVID put a spanner in the works. And as I was listening to you say that on Michael Jacko's show, I got this thought that, you know, the thing is that it might look like that COVID's put a spanner in the works, but what COVID's done, it has woken up millions of people across the planet like millions of people are waking up to another reality, a new reality. And uh, I think that it's the perfect time, you know, after we get through all the drama of COVID to start these light centres to sort of welcome in people to teach them about their multidimensional aspects and what's and the possibility for them. So uh, I don't know, I just see it as perfect timing, re really. Yeah, I mean, everything is multifaceted, isn't it? You know, so, you know, on, on one hand, yeah, it did put a spanner in the works for our plans to, to move the centres along a little bit quicker. At the same time, maybe we weren't supposed to move them along as fast as we wanted to, you know, and so like everything's always perfect. And, you know, I, I, I'm a very impatient human being, so I always like to get things done. Like it's one of the biggest challenges in my life is to is to kind of like be a little bit more patient, you know, because I want everything done yesterday. So, yeah, this is probably another one of my kind of like learning curves, you know, just chill out, Jerry, just kick back and let it happen in divine timing. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's a massive wake up call for the planets. You know, massive, and 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 I see so many people waking up, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pain, a lot of pain and suffering too. But you know, out from chaos comes beauty and magic once the dust settles. And well, you know, I, we've we've got to ride this wave, ride this storm. We came here for these times, so. Well, you know, it's through the chaos that we—that's the wake-up call, right? Like, think about your wake-up call. It was a car accident, and then seeing that you know there's more to life than the physical body. Seeing that there's energy that you know, like seeing that dead put the you know the soul leave the body. And I mean, that car accident sounds like a lot of chaos and pretty traumatic. Obviously, your family were not harmed in it, even though they had glass in their mouths. They were all okay. Yeah, they're all fine. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Amazing, really, isn't it? Yeah, out of chaos comes, yeah, awakening. It's it's a it's a brilliant opportunity. Because there's so many questions I've got for you. Uh, what's your relationship with? So, what's the name of your guide, your Lyran guide? What do you call him? Uh, Derekwai. Derekwai. And is Jesus still coming to you and chatting to you? Not really. Um, to be honest with you, I I mean, in in, in his uh, galactic form, I've had a few connections. And uh, but generally, I like, you know, I'm connecting with sort of galactic beings more, more these days, you know. And uh, yeah. Don't you think he yeah, is a like, galactic being? Well, he is a galactic being. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. But not in uh, what I'm saying. She's like, I've, I've, as I just said a minute ago, I've, I've connected to him in his galactic form, right, not, yeah. not in his earthly form. Yeah. So, yeah, like I'm, I'm connecting more to, to galactic beings these days. And I just want to talk about 
the um, subject of like karma. So when you were younger, you were involved in a lot of crime and all that sort of stuff. And you said that even you were doing white collar crime. So what do you feel for people that have had like fraught pasts? How do you feel that karma is transmuted as we move into our multidimensional awareness? Mm, it's a good question, you know. I think karma is a load of bullshit. <laughs> You know, I'll be totally frank and honest with you. Like from from what I've experienced in healing, karma is it's nothing more than kind of like an energetic transfer. You know, we, we look at karma like, oh, we've done something wrong and we have to repent our sins. And, you know, we, we, we did something bad here. So now we're going to be punished. That's not the right way to look at karma. Okay, we have experiences as multidimensional beings. So we've incarnated on Earth, a lot of us, many, many times. We've incarnated on other planets. We have experiences. Now, some of those experiences are positive and some of them are negative. And some of the actions that we take are positive and negative. And what happens is when you put some kind of frequency, which is a data stream out into the universe, it's going to have a knock-on effect. Now that knock-on effect at some point is going to bounce back through your reality because everything is interconnected. So you can't escape it. So it's not like you've done something bad, but you're just putting out a, a data string and it carries a frequency, it carries an energy. And at some point, whether it's in a year's time, whether it's in 10 years time, it's going to flow back through your reality. Now, what we have to do as evolved beings and beings that are continuing to evolve is to realize that every single thought, every single emotion, every single interaction, every single piece of action that we take is distributing something out into the energetic field. We've got 75 to 100 trillion cells in our body, 100 trillion protons in every cell and every cell. So every proton is like a mini universe. It's like a, a vortex that, that's connected to every other vortex in the quantum field. So nothing is disconnected. So everything you put out is having a positive or a negative effect. So, you know, would you intentionally put a virus into your friend's computer? No, you wouldn't. So why would you intentionally allow yourself to have a negative thought or, 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 or think about someone in a real negative capacity when you can switch that and, 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 and put loving thoughts out and positive thoughts and thoughts about sovereignty and freedom and compassion and kindness and divinity? Why would you do that? Why would you not do that and, and put something you know, disruptive and detrimental and, and destructive out into the field? And, and as we kind of move through this kind of ascension process, which isn't really us going anywhere, it's really us just raising our vibration and becoming more highly evolved beings so we can communicate telepathically, you know, start to feed off sunlight, you know, completely change the way that we are and behave in this world. And, and a byproduct of that is thinking correctly feeling correctly and, and simply by just doing that and making that choice right here right now in that moment you completely eradicate karma because you're changing the frequency in in a split second and you know the way that we heal people like we will we, 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 facilitate the healing we'll we'll go in and we'll change the data streams in someone's biological computer from an earlier childhood experience in this reality 
or a past life or a future life experience in the quantum field, which is all parallel in the now. But at the same time, for a highly evolved conscious being that truly understands the way the universe works, you don't even need to go down that road. You can make a simple choice right now. And, and, and that power of choice, the way you execute that choice and decide and the energy that you put forward with that choice can completely shift parallel universes in a heartbeat. So, you know, yeah, does that answer your question? Darling, you are answering every question that I had without me asking the questions. <laughs> I've got a couple of questions, having watched you on Michael's show, that you've already answered uh, um, because you're totally tapped into what I wanted to ask. You're just answering them. You're just answering them. Yeah, it answers the question. It's brilliant. Exactly. So one of the questions that arose during that talk, during what you were just saying was, do you think it's necessary to go back into past lives? um in order to shift stuff and you've already answered it it's like you don't even need to do that you can just like do it in the now yeah so with your you said that you had a um, privy to a lot of your past lives what life do you think you've had or having is most impacting this life that you're currently living here on earth is it your galactic life? Is it is it a future life on Earth? Is it a past life on Earth? Is it a life on another planet and another star system? Or all of I them? I mean, it's such a really good question. This no one's ever asked me this question. Oh man, like I, I could answer this in so many ways. Like you know, I, I've been into a lot of my past lives. I've been into a lot of my future lives. I've, you know, something I did when I had my first kind of teacher. So I experienced that, you know, many, many aspects of reality that I've been involved in. Now, in my last incarnation, I was a German soldier and uh, I shot one of my comrades dead because he wanted to kill one of the enemies and I wouldn't let it happen. In my life before that, I was uh, 1912. I was a devil worshipper, a lot of black magic, occult stuff, 1864. 1864 1865 I killed my wife um the same soul as my ex-wife in this reality funnily enough and if you go back through my last lot of incarnations I've killed a lot of people now this is the first reality where I've not actually killed anyone for many many lives so I've kind of flipped the switch and and, and kind of turned that around now I was having a conversation about two weeks ago with the architect that is designing our healing center in, in, uh, in, in Romania. And, and he was talking to me. And, and, and when people talk to me, I see what is going on within their consciousness. It's, if, like, if I read an email from someone, if I've never met them, I, I read the email in their voice. If I don't know where they're from, I always hear it in their voice. Like, this is how I kind of like am, am tapped in. And, and when this, this architect was talking to me, and he was explaining to me, because he's got this technology to build houses, which is the same technology that we use for healing, which is absolutely un unreal. And he puts the same codes into the framework of his buildings, which blew me away. And when he was talking, I was seeing him and me on another planet with all of these houses that were exactly the same as what he's building now on this other, on this other planet. And so like what I, I, I've realized, you know, is... You know, I, I came here from another planet to actually share these healing frequencies with our fellow sisters and brothers of Earth 
and to help them ignite their own divine sparks within them to step into their power, not to teach them anything, not to be a guru, fuck all that shit. I don't, the teachers, gurus, anyone that's hierarchical, I'm not into all that stuff. I'm, I'm literally here as a catalyst to help people remember. And now with these healing centers, we're going to be building a structure that as soon as you walk into it as a healing tool itself, and then combining that with, um, the, the frequencies and the training that we're going to instill into people and and help wake up inside of people this is what i came here to do you know i've, I've done this on other planets before um with my soul sisters and soul brothers that are here on earth with me right now this isn't this is this is nothing new we're we're we're, we're going through the motions and even though it seems a little bit chaotic and all that sort of stuff at times the more you go into yourself and know yourself and start to remember you realize that this is just a, a formality and everything that we're going through we've done a, a, a number of times and, and everything's going to work out that is the timeline that i'm on and, and the timeline that, that you're on and the timeline that many people are on and and yeah like me coming here to this planet is literally just to to share information that I've shared on other planets and, and, and other star systems many times before that, that that's literally it, you know, in, in a nutshell. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you and I have shared a past life. I won't go into that. We'll talk about that another time, but um, I've been watching energy healers for 25, 30 years. And I've seen many people start up energy healing courses and I stopped doing energy healing courses. And then a few years ago, I read a book and I'm like, oh, this dude's amazing. And I went to Melbourne. He was doing a course in Melbourne and did his energy healing course in Melbourne. And it was incredible. And then the human ego is a fragile thing. It's a really fragile thing. So I asked him to come on the show and he said something like he's become a, a bit reclusive now and he's not really doing his work as much. And he said, you're not allowed to talk about my healing. You're not allowed to talk about me. It's under copyright. And I'm thinking, how can you copyright something that's available to download? You know, anyone can download this information. You can't copyright God, if you like, or energy healing. Anyway, and then when I saw you speaking at the Higher Self Expo, because I was one of the co-hosts for the Higher Self Expo, I knew you were bringing that same frequency or even probably beyond that frequency. And I was so excited. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. So uh, it's an honor to speak with you today. Let's get into the healing. What do you want to tell people about healing? Uh, I want, you know, what we're looking at on planet Earth is um, healing because we're talking about sickness all the time, like the whole world is thinking about healing or getting sick or being, you know, not getting sick and taking some allopathic remedy to stop them from getting sick. So it's a huge global focus at the moment. It's like massive. What do you want mm -hmm. to tell people about healing? Well, I mean, if you talk about allopathic medicine and you talk about big pharma and you talk about the whole kind of like, you know, matrix and structure that's in place, you know, we've been conditioned to not self-heal since the moment we incarnated onto this planet. And, and, and what I, 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 say to, I, I say to people, I'm not a healer. Yeah, I'm not a healer. All I do is facilitate the process so you can self-heal. And this is the thing. Every human being on this planet has the ability to self-heal. All they've got to do is be still enough to, 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 to tap the frequency. 
And there are many different ways that you can help people tap that frequency. I mean, meditation's one, breath work is another. You know, what we do with star magic with the different healing ways and techniques that we kind of share with people is another way of doing it. And um, what we've got to do is, is help people realize that they don't need anything foreign put into their bodies. Their bodies are everything. Our bodies are one gigantic pharmaceutical uh, like factory. And, and, and each human being, their consciousness, their soul, their, their energy is, is the, the CEO of that pharmaceutical factory. And all they've got to do is, is, is know how to amplify those chemicals. You know, and you can do that through breath. You can do that through meditation. You can do that through um, different kind of like visualization techniques. There's many different ways, you know. And uh, I mean, what I would say is you got to go within. I mean, this is the thing. Everybody's looking to the outside world for fixes and remedies and potions, but you've got it all inside. You've just got to be brave enough to take that journey. You've got to be brave enough to go into unknown territory because, most people want to be fixed. Most people want a, a, a crutch. Most people want a wheelchair. Most people want a pill. Most people want someone to come and save them. Some people, most people want to be rescued. And, you know, the one thing that is really important right now here on planet Earth is that every soul knows that no one's coming to rescue them. And you can't rescue anyone. I can't rescue anyone. Donald T, he's not coming to rescue anyone. There are no galactics coming to rescue us. No one is coming to rescue us. That is final. What we have to do is step up and, and, and reclaim our divine sovereignty and realize that we are galactic beings in these physical bodies and, and, and we're in a spiritual war. And we can make some very potent, simple choices that can take us into our heart to unlock so much magic, so much mystery, so much beauty and energy and, and just a, a, a power beyond our recognition. And, and if we're brave enough to dive into the depths of our soul and mine this data and mine this information, our external world is going to reveal so many things to us because it's going to mirror back to us what we truly are on the inside. And that is love. And love is the medicine that can, can cure everything. It can cure every disease. It can cure every illness, every injury. It can, it can cure absolutely everything. I'm hearing you. I won't upload the whole of this conversation to YouTube because YouTube won't let us have this sort of conversation. <laughs> I'll upload most of it and then I'll put the rest of the conversation on another platform and let you know. Anything else you'd like to leave with people? Any message before we go? I mean, I, I would just say to people, you know, you're powerful, you know, you're sovereign. You came here with inalienable rights and no one stands above you. No human being, no government, no agency, nothing stands above you. Everything in this world is given its power by you, the human being, the soul. You can claim that power back at any given moment. So go into your heart, spend some time in stillness, you know, move your body, exercise your body, meditate your body, give your body clean foods. And, and, and start to generate and access this power that lies in, inside of you.
It's in all of us. It's an infinite supply. It's not limited. Just go into your heart, access this magic and realize that, you know, that you're powerful, you're unfuckwithable, you're divine, you're sovereign, you're just, you're a superhuman. You know, you're just everything rolled into this neat little package inside this human body. And nothing is above you, nothing is under you. We're all, we're all equal. So exercise that power, exercise your divine rights. Know that you can heal yourself. Know that everything is here inside of this body. You've just got to tap it. Love is the key, <laughs> you know, so it, it all stems, stems from love. You know, if you, go, if, you, if, if you drill into everything, it's love. You know, know thyself, okay? That's just loving yourself. You know, you've got to love yourself. Uh, and, and by loving yourself, you'll know yourself. By knowing yourself, you'll love yourself. It's the same thing. God is love, love is God. And that's just a label. It's infinite intelligence. It's energy, love. That's all it is. Love is the power. Love is the power. There was this one more thing I wanted to talk about, teleportation. You know, I had uh, one of my favorites in our inner sanctum, which is my online group, um, a guy called Garnet Schulhauser, who was a Canadian corporate lawyer for 36 years. And then his spirit guide turns up and flies him around the cosmos and shows him all these planets and all this stuff. And he's on his fifth book. He asked him to write it all down in books. And he went to a parallel reality of Earth where the virus, um, where the pandemic had happened in, a, in an earlier time frame. And as they evolved out of it, what was the result of evolving out of the problem that the pandemic offered was teleportation. And I'm like, yes, I want teleportation. <laughs> what do you want to say about teleportation? Do you think, how long away do you think we are from this? Do you think it's possible? Like, what do you reckon, Jerry? I'm sure that it's already being used on this planet by, uh, you know, beings that have brought the technologies to this planet that have been covered up. You know, there's stargates on this planet. There are portals on this planet and people can portal from one planet to another, from one star to another. We just haven't been given access to this technology. Um, it's there behind the scenes. Who knows? You know, maybe once we get through this little piece of madness on this planet and the system crumbles down, this technology might rise to the surface. It might be just around the corner. Let's hope so because I can't wait to start jumping in and out of these stargates and traveling split seconds to other spaces, you know? Well, the last guy I had on the show was uh, Sylvain Rochon. He's a French Canadian guy and he is building a physical um, extraterrestrial embassy to um, meet our galactic brothers and sisters. So I think that once that is like, once that, you know, the, the mainstream world wakes up to the fact that we belong to a cosmic family and we allow the reality of them to exist in our physical world, that they'll bring many technologies and teach us about many. I mean, you know, at the moment, it's up to people that are actually incarnate into a physical body like you to bring through those that information and technology. But that's going to expand exponentially, I think, in the not too distant future. What do you think? Absolutely. I mean, I, I truly feel that the healing centers that we're going to be building, they're going to act as, as an anchor to bring these extraterrestrial frequencies through on a grand, grand, grand level to help expand consciousness really quickly. Uh, and once we've got these spaces up and running, 
you know i mean these beings visit us already right. but they're going to have somewhere where they can come and feel at home and 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 really connect and, and we'll have an open door to these guys girls beings beautiful galactic souls from all over the multiverse they'll be welcome on our doorstep at any time right and and you know this is something i was talking about with sylvain was that they've their frequency is so different to us that they kind of can't act like we have to raise our vibe. We have to create an atmosphere, a frequency in order to meet them, to allow them to be in this sort of physical space, if you like. And, and his embassy and other healing centers will be that will be those places as we collectively come together and, and shift into another, you know, vibrational frequency that will allow them to be physically present or you know at least astrally present where we can see them or something i don't know it's exciting times don't you think absolutely i you know every day i wake up like you know rocket ship you know going to the moon because i'm excited i'm excited about life i'm excited about what's transpiring it, it it's awesome to be here right now we're very yeah. very blessed to be on this planet right now yeah. you know it's, uh, it's it's a divine blessing yeah well, darling one, I feel very blessed to have spoken to you today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been just an honour and a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure from my side too. Great to connect, sister. I'm a bit speechless after that one. Incredible, incredible story and an incredible man. It's funny. I was saying to my guides the other day, you know, I've got a very critical mind, <clears throat> which is always my downfall, always, always, that whenever I see someone online and I have a criticism or judgment about them, like, oh, you know, there's too many tattoos or don't like the way they speak or, you know, my mind, the human mind goes into criticism. Every time I am 100% wrong, <laughs> like I just have to remember to shut that critical mind up and just go, who cares if they've got too many tattoos and they swear too much or whatever? It's my eastern suburbs upbringing, my private school upbringing. Uh, these people have amazing things to say. So, yeah, so the first time I saw Jerry, I, I went into that criticism like, eh, he's got too many tattoos or whatever just some silly judgmental criticism and then he was uh, one of our speakers at the high self expo and I listened to his talk and I was just like blown away actually I forgot to say that with him the thing that really stuck with me is because when I speak to my guides and I'm before anybody doing a, a teaching or healing what is it that they need to know I always say to my guides show me what they need to know, show me, show me, show me, show me, whether I'm asking for myself or others, I'm always saying, show me. And the piece I got from Jerry was, he always says, show me what I don't know, which he said in many other interviews before. He said, I don't want you to show me something I know. I want you to show me something I don't know. And I thought about that. I started using that as I was talking to my guides. And then I thought, no, actually show me what I need to know is kind of you can know stuff and you can't know stuff so sometimes when I'm shown stuff they do show me stuff that I do know so it's like a memory that comes back or a story that I've lived or something I've um, a conversation I've had with someone on the show and I'll be repeating it so it is something I know but they'll give it to me but then there are times when they give me stuff that I don't know that blows your mind you know because 
that's when your mind goes into sort of a bit of chaos it's like i don't know this stuff how can i be saying this stuff that's when you're kind of channeling pure consciousness show me something i don't know so give it a try when you're asking your guides questions or if you're working for a he as a healer you know say both things say show me what i need to know and show me what i don't know you could use both of them but anyway it's a powerful piece it's it's powerful to say that show me what i don't know because it's the human mind you know it's the it's the consciousness aspect of us that has access to infinite intelligence but the human mind does not always know this stuff and it wants to judge and separate and criticize just like my mind does <laughs> i just have to know <laughs> next time i criticize somebody for having too many tattoos or i don't like their accent or something some i have to know that i'm going to be completely wrong <laughs> and to really pay attention <laughs> next time i criticize someone oh that's a something i need to pay attention to but yeah ah uh, as i said to jerry during the conversation uh, i've met many energy healers and i've spoken to many of them over the years I, you know i've been doing this for a long time been showcasing new old teachers and energy healers or healers and the human ego ego is a fragile thing i've seen some that have um you know, once you start getting a lot of people that want to know about you and they kind of put you up on this pedestal as the guru or the healer and you're going to heal me, it kind of goes to our head or their head and they kind of get a bit crazy. I had one guy say, oh, the stuff that I'm bringing down is the best, you know, it's better than everybody else's. It's like the father of all energy healing and you know, he's sort of, sort of fragile human ego. But there's something about Jerry. I think that's the life that he's led that has been so fraught with drama, both in this life and in many past lives that has sort of beaten that ego out of him. And he absolutely knows the equality of every being because he's not above or below anyone. You know, he's lived the gamut of experience, both in this life and in others. That is the human experience. Yeah, so there's something quite refreshing about that, really refreshing about that. And his colourful language and stuff like that, it all makes it kind of really real, doesn't it? Takes him off that guru pedestal. Yeah. But you are amazing, as he says in every email. <laughs> Send him an email. He's like, you're amazing. He's like, you can feel the energy when the email comes in. It's just sort of like screams at you, you're amazing. And then he goes into the rest of the email yeah you are amazing we are amazing we are amazing genius creators and we have nothing to fear once we contact that uh, aspect of love which is who we are the matrix of the world is love actually uh, we have we have the ability to create anything we want to do anything anything i've seen incredible things i've seen people's physical bone structures change in meditation i've seen people healed of um, diseases that the doctors said were incurable uh personally myself i cracked a bone falling down some wet cement stairs and just went home and meditated and asked for it to heal and woke up the next morning i'll tell you what i was in a lot of pain but i knew i could do it so i did it i woke up the next morning looked inside sealed completely it wasn't broken it was just a little hair fracture in my bone on my arm and what was really interesting about that was 
for two weeks afterward, it was like, you know, when you have an operation, if you break a bone and then you take the cast off, you feel very protective of, I don't know if you've ever broken anything, but you feel very protective, like the energy around that area is very raw. And so you're kind of extra careful to sort of not stand too close to people or you're careful when walking through doorways and stuff like that. So that's how I was after the healing of the broken of the fracture in my arm. I felt like extra sensitive in that area, extra careful not to bump myself or use that arm as if I'd had a broken bone or an operation. It's really interesting. So healing is instant, but then there is a regeneration of cells and a strengthening that it that takes time in this in this buffer of time that we live in, that we have to uh, we have to think about. Which happened when I went to see John of God in Brazil. People would have miraculous healings. Uh, and then they were told that they had to convalesce for a few weeks, two weeks, three weeks, seven weeks, six, you know, six weeks, whatever, because there is this reestablishing of the energy that, that takes time. The healing can be instant, like tumors instantly disappear. I've seen that happen. I've seen amazing things happen. But there is this time where we need to acclimate to the new frequency and establish. We need to establish the new frequency as it becomes more a part of our reality yeah it's interesting but yes cleanse your light body and heal your physical body that's the way to go just amazing just loved that conversation with jerry uh, yeah and as i say uh, this conversation is not a conversation that i can have on every platform so i will put most of it on the normal platforms like YouTube and other platforms. And I will have the full conversation on Odyssey. I've actually joined all the platforms, well, not all, I've joined Odyssey, Rumble and BitChute. I've been playing with all the different video streaming platforms or video platforms. And um, I'm kind of liking Odyssey at the moment. So I'll probably put this up on Odyssey, the full, the full version the part that i can't put on the other platforms yeah so thanks again for watching and listening and please remember to subscribe and if you want to find me on other platforms like me we i've got no followers on me we i don't even know if it's a viable platform but i did join other social media platforms there are many of them sort of springing up because of the the way that the major platforms are censoring people i know that some platforms just died because they were killed uh, like parlor and other platforms but um it's amazing what's happening out there in the world it's just amazing i uh, love you all big time and uh yes yeah, serena faith masterson is coming into our inner sanctum uh, i wonder if i can get jerry in next year he's pretty busy i'm getting a no on that one okay i can ask we'll see uh i'm still getting a no i'm getting a definite no on that one so he won't be into it but anyway there are amazing teachers coming in i'm there teaching every week i have a wealth of knowledge both in this lifetime and in others and uh, remember to get the book awakened by death if you haven't already love you big time bye for now